This is God's holy and infallible word. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shows us his followers how to live our lives. The sermon's introduced with the Beatitudes, where Jesus makes eight blessed are statements. And then he goes on throughout this message to show us the life of blessing in him. Sometimes we've been seeing that he focuses us on our relationship with the Lord Sometimes he's focusing on how we relate to others. Sometimes the Lord is focusing us more on our own hearts. These verses are about how we relate to the world and the things of this world. And I think, I, 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 I more than think, I believe that as Christians we need guidance on relating to the world more than ever before. We literally have the world at our fingertips with technology. As Christians, we're in the world like never before with our entertainment choices, in rubbing shoulders with people of different faiths. We get at all of this with the language Jesus uses of earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. Treasure is what is precious to you. For pirates, it's Jewels and gold coins for Bruno Mars in his song, Treasure, it's his lady. In the Lord of the Rings, it's the ring that Gollum calls his precious. And Jesus wants us to think about what, wants you to think about what is your treasure? What is precious to you? What do you cherish beyond everything else? Where is your heart this morning? Jesus wants us to see, first of all, the limited value of earthly treasure. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This doesn't mean that we have nothing to do with earthly things. We live in the world. But don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth for a couple of reasons. One reason is obvious. All earthly treasure has an expiration date. Earthly treasure doesn't last. Jesus talks about the moth and rust destroying, thieves breaking in, and, and that's how different valuable items in Jesus' day could be lost. Clothing was much more of a precious item back then than it is today, but no matter how fine or expensive the cloth, moths could get in and destroy. Rust probably refers more to food than metal, and it's indicating that even if you have a vast supply of grain, and that was very, very important in ancient times, even then vermin, like rats, mice, worms, could ruin it and totally spoil it. And there were no banks like today, so valuables would often be stored in homes. Thieves could come in and steal a family's wealth. 
All earthly treasure has an expiration date. We know about expiration dates with food. Cheese and crackers are one of my go-to snacks in the evenings. And I'm responsible pretty much for my own snacks at home. And that's not Sarah being mean or anything. That's just the way we divide things up. Every once in a while, I'll get the little round brie package at Aldi. You know what brie is? It's the very soft, creamy cheese. Well, after we got back from our week away at spring break, we noticed, and I might get in trouble for this story, we noticed a little bit of a funky smell from the fridge, and we just couldn't figure it out. It wasn't so bad, but something wasn't right. We looked, everything was good and fresh, and of course, Sarah, no one else touched the brie, because that was my special snack. You don't touch Greg's special snacks. I didn't think it had been that long since I bought it, and so I never suspected that it could be the problem, but a few days went on, and you know, it's even covered in tin foil in there, so how could that be? But something made me check the brie finally after a few days. That was the smell. And I might even have broken open the tin. It, it was foul. It was very bad. And it was only a few days. It wasn't that long after the expiration date. But it was beyond the expiration date. I'd put it in there. I'd forgotten. I never ate it. So it was, it was a surprise to me that it spoiled so quickly. But it's not a surprise that food spoils We've all seen it, we've all smelled it, and it's no surprise, Jesus tells us, and we know this too, that earthly treasure will expire. We know it. You drive a new car off the lot, its worth drops immediately because it's a used car now, and then as the years go on, you have to dump hundreds, thousands of dollars into it until it becomes a junker. Our appliances don't last like they used to. Planned obsolescence, I think it's called. It all starts falling apart. We can have a great job, but jobs don't last forever. We're all healthy and well one day, and then the next day can be diagnosed with cancer or wake up at 4 a.m. like Daniel Braun with a massive stroke. Someone can have a successful business one year and be bankrupt the next The stock markets rise, they inevitably fall. We know that the fame of movie and TV stars doesn't last. Jesus wants us to guard against getting all of our satisfaction from the things of this world. We make a big mistake if we're focusing our ambition and hopes on earthly treasure because it doesn't last. An earthly treasure can be any created thing That becomes our master. Money can be our treasure if that's what gives you security and a sense of satisfaction like nothing else in this world. For some people, their treasure can be their family. Think about that. Their family is before everything else to the neglect of others in their life, maybe to the neglect of the church and God's kingdom at times. We should treasure family, but It can't be our treasure. There's a difference. Nostalgia can be a treasure in the sense that we hold on to those great feelings and memories of yesterday, and and that's what we long for with all our heart. 
uh, that's where our heart is instead of on, on the world or the church today. And you know, of course, after it's all said and done at the end of our life, if moth and rust and, and thieves haven't taken it away, we die. Job said, naked I come from the, my mother's womb, naked I will depart. We can't take earthly treasure with us. Jesus isn't against earthly possessions and things, as one pastor puts it, but he warns against a ruinous preoccupation with them. And in saying this, Jesus, of course, wants what's best for us, his children. He wants us to avoid the despair that comes from making things our treasure, putting our heart our heart of hearts on our retirement savings, on a house, even on our bodies and health. It's going to lead to anxiety. It's going to lead to constant struggle because we're trying to hold on to things that are fading. People who spend their lifetimes on earthly treasure will run themselves ragged, never have peace and rest. We don't want to store up earthly treasure because it has an expiration date and also because it can distort your vision. Verses 22 and 23 here, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If a window is dirty, if the glass is tinted, discolored, Light doesn't come into the house very well. Just like if an eye is colorblind or if you have cataracts, you're not seeing all that there is. And if you're blind, well, then all you see is darkness. And the point is, if our spiritual outlook is healthy, which is what good eye means here, we'll see the world clearly. If our spiritual outlook is unhealthy, which is what bad eye means, We won't see clearly. A focus on earthly treasure will distort our vision of the world. If our heart is on that kind of treasure, and verse 21 says where our treasure is, that's where we put our hearts. If our heart is on an earthly treasure, it's in the wrong place, and it will distort our vision. Pastor Tim Keller refers to earthly treasure as materialism, which I think is a good description. When we are materialistic, we're focused on things that will pass away, and that will mess up your outlook on life. Let me, let me explain this. Think about it. Materialism has the power to make you choose a job, not because you like it, not because you're particularly good at it, not because it helps people, but because it will make you a certain amount of money. That kind of choice can happen if our heart is in the wrong place, making our outlook skewed, and people make that choice all the time. Also, a focus on earthly treasure, it stops you from asking the hard questions about your lifestyle. Do you have too much stuff? Are you keeping too much all for yourself? Are you living simply? Should I be spending this much money on on movies or going out to eat, on my house, on my clothes, on vacations? The reason we avoid questions like this, I think, is this. 
every single one of us, we know someone who has a nicer car than we do. We know people who spend more on vacations than we do. We know people who go out to eat and spend more money there than we do. So we think we're good. We don't ask ourselves the tough questions, whether we could spend less, whether we could be more generous. We tend not to go there. When our hearts are on earthly treasure, it blinds us to the possible sin in our own lives. Tim Keller says about this, that over the years of his ministry, and he's like in his 60s, I believe, he's noticed that no one confesses problems with greed, adultery, lust, addictions, relationship struggles, sure, that's all obvious, but materialism really blinds us. He tells the story of a Robert Crane in 1635 at the First Congregational Church of Boston. He was a member there. His elders disciplined him for the sin of greed. When's the last time we talked to someone about the sin of greed? And get this, it's because he was selling his product at a 6% profit. The church had decided people could only sell at a 4% profit. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that church wasn't stupid. Those Christians in that day weren't stupid. They knew how difficult it was to know when you're committing this sin of having your heart on earthly treasure. They knew that Jesus talks all the time about our money and possessions and how we are to live before the Lord with our stuff. And so the church said, well, at some point, if Jesus says all this, certain lifestyles, certain business practices tip over into greed. So as a community, in our time, in our place, we're going to take a look at and and set what a greedy lifestyle looks like. And then we're going to hold each other accountable to this. Clearly, in our economy, the church could never do something like that as in 1635. But in our small groups, in other discussions with fellow believers, we should be holding each other accountable to whether our hearts are on earthly treasure. And it's because... We can't trust ourselves on this. How much money and time and effort and energy should we be spending on our homes and on our furniture and on our, on our TVs and on our decorating? If someone gets to a point in their life where, where they can buy a vacation spot to go on the weekends just because they can do it, should they? Maybe, but maybe not. Just because someone can get a coffee at Starbucks a few times a week, should they? Maybe, but maybe not. We should talk about this as Christian friends, as couples in small groups. We have it so good, relatively speaking, in speaking of our world, and what we do is we compare to others who have it even better than us, and we think, well, if they can afford that, and if they can do that, well, then certainly my lesser splurges are fine in God's sight. But for each of us, there's always some place where the cataracts of earthly treasure need to be removed from our vision. 
Jesus, through his teaching here and through his finished work, shines the light on our dark vision. And he shows us, secondly this morning, the unlimited value of heavenly treasure. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, we read. And there are two reasons for that. One, this focus gives you an undivided heart. And that's what we need, an undivided heart. Psalm 86, I believe, uses that language in a few other places in Scripture. Jesus says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, God and money. Your Bible probably, and my, mine does, capitalizes money there because it's referring, it's, it goes back to the Hebrew word mammon, and it refers to a false god, someplace other than God where you put your trust. That's why it's capitalized, set up as an opposing God to God in our lives. It gives you an undivided heart, heavenly treasure. Our hearts long for things. Our hearts all have this longing. We are built with desire as human beings to put our hearts somewhere, someplace, Buddhism, when it looks at the problems of the world and people, agrees with Jesus about the problems of earthly treasures, that it's an issue, that we put our hearts there, but its solution is very different from Jesus' solution. Buddhism says, well, we have all these bad attachments. Well, then the answer is no attachments to anything, desire, passion, longing, it all has to be squelched and we have to sort of remove ourselves and stoically go through life. I think in Star Wars, how the Jedi are supposed to live, that ideal is, is stolen from Buddhism. No attachments. But that's not what Jesus says, thankfully. Instead, he says the secret to the blessed life is to redirect our desires to their proper place. From the things of this world to the things of God. From divided in various loyalties to one loyalty, the Lord. So that our heart's desire, our ambition, is to please Him. Like we talked about a little bit last week with giving, praying, fasting. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher from many years ago, he tells the story of a farmer who reported happily to his wife that his best cow had given birth to twin calves, one brown and one white. And he said, you know, I've been led of the Lord to dedicate one of the calves to him. We'll raise this calf together, and when the time comes to sell both of them, we'll keep the money from the one calf, and we'll give that money to the Lord. We'll keep the money from one calf. I don't think I said that right. We'll keep the money from one calf for our own household. And the money from the other calf sale we'll give to the Lord. His wife asked which one of those two he was going to be dedicating to the Lord. But he answered, well, there's no need to decide right now since we're going to raise them both equally. Well, several months later, the farmer came into the kitchen and he was very sad. And when his wife asked what was troubling, he said, I, I've got some bad news. The Lord's calf is dead. She objected, but you didn't decide which was to be the Lord's calf. And he said, oh, yes, I'd always determined that it was going to be the white one. 
and it's the white one that died. And that's how it is. It's always the Lord's calf that dies. Unless we've decided from the beginning the truth, that heavenly treasure, the Lord, his kingdom, is where it's at. We could talk about what that heavenly treasure is in a lot of different ways. What is heavenly treasure? The things of God, it's his word, it's the fruit of the spirit, it's the kingdom advancing, it's supporting the church, it's, it's worship together, it's serving those in need, it's doing our day-to-day work even with excellence and with the view toward loving those around us with the love of Jesus, and that's all true. But what it comes down to, this heavenly treasure, is pretty simple. The heavenly treasure is Jesus himself, the person of Jesus. It's knowing him. It's accepting him. Earthly treasures will pull you in and spit you out. The earthly stuff, they demand everything. will get worn ragged. We'll claw after them, and they'll keep slipping away from us until finally we die, and they're all gone. But Jesus is so very different from that. Tim Keller puts this in a really nifty way. Every treasure on this earth says, give your life to purchase me. Every treasure on this earth says, give your life to purchase me. It requires everything, and we never get it. But Jesus says, I'm the one treasure who died to purchase you. That's a treasure. Jesus, the priceless treasure, died on the cross to set us free from our absorption with the things of this world, and he purchased our heart so that it can finally be secure and satisfied and in the right place in him. And and so when we accept the heavenly treasure, Jesus, God gives us that undivided heart because it's in him. One more thought this morning. Finally, that treasure makes an everlasting impact, this heavenly treasure. When your heart is right with God, in the right place, it's going to make an impact. Will we focus on God's church? Will we focus on his kingdom? Not on things that are going to fade away. The kingdom advancing is our passion. We'll be generous people. We'll be good stewards of our time, of our talents, of our resources. When we get this, we get that we're not permanent residents in this world. We're sojourners. We're pilgrims. And we'll get the secret of those great men and women of faith in Hebrews 11 who were looking for another city, the one whose builder is God. We do not cling to these things. They're not the center of our life and existence. They don't absorb us. We hold on to them all loosely. One writer I came across is a series of questions to ask that, that could help us evaluate maybe where we're at. Ask yourself this. One, what occupies your thoughts when you have nothing else to do? What, what's in your thoughts? Your, your, your daydreams about the future or what has been? Your investments? Is that where your mind goes? Your position at work and how you're doing there? Well, where your mind goes when you have nothing else to do, that's probably indication of where your treasure is. Two, similarly, what do you fret most about? You're fretting about your home, your clothing, your retirement savings. Well, that's our treasure. Next week, our text is do not worry, and we'll talk more about fretting. 
Three, what are, when you look at other people, we inevitably, when we look at others, we, we, we're called not to judge, of course, but we tend to measure other people. When you do, what do you measure them by? By what they're wearing? By how much education they have? <clears throat> by their sociability, how well they get along with others? By their athletic, musical, academic abilities? By their success in the world? Or more, do you look to people and look up to those who have a devotion to the Lord and, and, and who have a desire to humbly serve and love those around them. How we measure others gives us a clue about what we ourselves treasure. For, fourthly, finally, what is it that we know we can't be happy without? How sad if, like the rich young ruler, we are blocked from accepting Jesus because the earthly treasure has got us so in its grip. Friends, may we more and more give our whole hearts to the heavenly treasure to put things in their right perspective in our lives. This doesn't mean we can't rest or chill or do relaxing things in life or enjoy a, a Starbucks Frappuccino. Boy, those are tasty, even if they're whatever, seven, eight bucks, not quite that much. But the point is the kingdom. The point is the kingdom. We rest, we're, we relax. We enjoy time off, not as an end to itself, not because vacation is where it's at, not because the weekend is where it's at. We do these things to be energized more, to be active in God's church and kingdom. It's all for him. That is the end goal. We're going to be installing in just a little bit here, some new elders and deacons. These men received a letter from council early this year asking them to serve. And they had a choice at that point, accept the call to serve or not. Though none of our motives in life are perfect, I believe that they made a choice for heavenly treasure rather than earthly there. In serving in leadership in the church by God's grace, they're going to make an everlasting impact and each one of us can make those choices every day, wherever we are. And I know many of us, we are. Let's do it even more. May we spur one another on to that kind of lifestyle at Faith Church and together make an everlasting impact in people's lives. The ones right here in front of us who come through the doors, first of all, those all around us in our neighborhoods and the world too. Amen.